Sidelined USA presents Sideline Stories. We interview athletes who could no longer participate in their sport anymore due to current injury, health condition, concussion risk. We talk about their stories. What have they been through? What was their journey like? What was it like to step away from their greatest passions? So we do this all to start a conversation about what happens when an athlete has to step away from their sport due to circumstances that are outside of their control. The reality is, although it may seem like the end of an era, it can be the beginning of another. Every aspect of my life goes back to that moment in time and the inability to play soccer. And it was something similar to me losing a loved one. When I was told I couldn't play anymore, it's like my identity was, was taken away from me. It was like if we say, if we tell people that we're sad or we're depressed, then we're going to look, we're going to be looked at as weak and unable to perform. And if it weren't for this injury, I don't know that I would be where I'm at personally with finding my value in my being instead of what I'm doing. The courageous route is to confront how you're feeling and to be honest about it. Thank you so much, Jackie Alabone, for being here with us today to share your sideline story. We're so excited to just learn from your experience and to hear about your story. So why don't you go ahead and launch into a little bit about just your background as an athlete and what you do currently? Yeah, sure. Thank you so much for having me. Um, my background as an athlete, I mean, I grew up very active. I was a very active kid, um, you know, from the age of infancy to, to, you know, now at this point in my life and always had a lot of energy and the best way to kind of get rid of that energy or, you know, uh, make the most of that energy was playing sports. And so I, I started playing soccer when I was five and that was my main sport for most of my life until I found lacrosse in high school and absolutely fell in love with it. Um, and for, you know, the type of athlete I was and the mentality that I had, it was just the perfect sport for me. And uh, definitely someone that worked really hard, always felt like I had to work a lot harder because I didn't think I had as much natural talent as others. But, um, you know, sports definitely brought me happiness and it was something that kept me very motivated in school um, and in, in life in general. And now, uh, from an athletic standpoint, uh, I know you and I both know I am pregnant with twins, so I, I'm a little limited to what I can do right now, but, um, you know, walking, staying active, biking, anything like that is, is what I resort to now as an athlete. Um, and, you know, normally I'm a, a runner and I like to stay active that way. Uh, I've done Pilates. I've done just a, a plethora of different things that has helped me stay active. And currently for work, I'm working for Sidelined as the director of marketing. And I also coach lacrosse. Awesome. Yes. Jackie and I work very closely together. So spoiler alert, um, we're, um, we're both employees of Sideline USA, and we are so excited. We've been wanting to do this Sideline story with Jackie for a long time now. We took a break with Sideline Stories to work on COVID and wellness podcasts, but now we're back at the Sideline Stories podcast, and we're right out of the gate. I knew that we needed to get your story logged here, Jackie. So you alluded to this a little bit earlier in your intro here, but uh, tell us a little bit more about what being an athlete meant to you growing up. Yeah. Being an athlete was something that always 
helped me fit in, I feel. Looking back on it now, it was something that I was always comfortable doing. Um, it just came really natural to me where other things in life just maybe didn't seem to come as natural. It was my main source of connecting with people and relationships. Um, my first you know, set of friends was through playing sports. And um, you know, the, the other thing that being an athlete and playing sports meant to me was I, my identity was highly tied to it. It was uh, definitely a way for me to accomplish things. It's, it was something that gave me self-worth. Um, I always had, in my opinion, struggled a bit in school growing up. Once I got to high school, not so much, but I definitely went through a period where the, the only thing to me that I seemed to do right was playing sports well. And, um, you know, I just had a different type of learning and I was really artsy and creative and I hadn't really grown into that yet. You know, I didn't do well in certain subjects and that was okay. And that, you know, that happens when you get older, you discover what your strengths are and your weaknesses are. Um, so for me, athletics was really filling that void of self-worth in a way. Um, and it was, it was just a way for me to achieve. And I still always felt like an underdog. I never thought I was the best player. I never thought that entitlement, or I never felt that I just deserved everything. I definitely had to work really, really hard to be on the teams that I was placed on and, and even keeping my position on those teams. Um, and then eventually as I got older and, you know, you get into club sports, um, you start thinking about recruitment and, you know, you don't want your athletic career to end uh, once you're done high school for a lot of people whose identity is tied to it. So I had this goal of playing division one lacrosse after I fell in love with the sport in high school. And it was, you know, uh, definitely a journey from there, just trying to get recruited. And I was highly motivated and driven and it was an exciting time in my life for sure. Right. So you did end up, um, making your goal of playing D one and let's flash forward to those days. Cause that's where really your, your very serious injuries happened. So let's get right into that and hear your sideline story. So you had ups and downs in college, uh, you know, you're, you're in your playing days there. And ultimately you ended up suffering some injuries that would eventually force you out of sport. Talk to us a little bit about, let's say your first experience with serious injury. Right. So starting out at school, even entering my freshman year, I still had this underdog mentality. I still thought, wow, I'm so grateful to be here, to have this opportunity to play division one lacrosse for um, Temple University, which is a great school and it was perfect for my major. And I just really wanted everything to work out. And I wanted to work really hard to make sure that, you know, I made the right choice. Um, and had a relatively successful first year. As a freshman coming in, um, we were a lot more heavily relied on as underclassmen than you probably would be at another division one program. And there was definitely this feeling of we, we could develop some leadership even at that, at that age with my class. And I got the opportunity to start and um, play as a midfielder, which was a limited position. 
you know, there's only three, four people that can play that position on the team. And to be able to play that very challenging position at such a high level was a goal of mine that I didn't really expect myself to achieve. I just worked really hard and, and it happened. And that for, for that reason, I transitioned into a different mindset of feeling really good about myself as an athlete and feeling like I could really go somewhere with this in my collegiate career. And I, you know, I'm excited for the the next year, which was my sophomore year and had a very successful fall ball and things were really looking up for the team. And there was a lot of expectations on myself. And there was a lot of expectation on my class in particular to um, be leaders on the field, even at, at, you know, the younger stages of our careers. And I, coming off of this really successful fall season, we were about to go on our winter break and we were doing a conditioning drill and really, really lucky as an athlete to not have had such a challenging time or injury in my life really up until this point, um, looking back on it now, but I definitely wasn't prepared for the mental and physical side of what was to happen with, with my injury. And in this conditioning drill, I, you know, jumped up during a game of, we call it tiger tails was a conditioning drill. And I just jumped up, upper body went one way, lower body went another way. Um, and I was shooting, it was almost like a handball game and I was shooting the ball. And, you know, when I pushed off mid air, my knee completely dislocated. And when I fell, it, you know, popped back in. But when I was on the ground, I knew immediately something was really wrong. And, you know, practice obviously ended and um, the, the trainer came over and did what most athletic trainers would, would now call the click test to see if it, you know, was an ACL issue. And he didn't really say anything. And, and then he brought me in and called the doctor for to check me out. And, and then I was told that, you know, it was an ACL tear, had to get an MRI just to confirm. And then once that was confirmed, uh, my athletic trainer had to bear the bad news that I was going to miss my entire sophomore season. So rehab and recovery was going to take about eight to nine months, give or take. Uh, of course, I went through the grief process immediately. And I didn't even realize it at the time, but now I understand so much about it that I began to bargain with the athletic trainer. I was bargaining with the doctor. Mm -hmm. Like this can't be true. This isn't, this isn't real. This isn't happening to me. Like I'm not going to be out for the whole season. Um, you know, I had all these, my team and myself, we had these expectations that, you know, of what our possible lineups going to be and, who were going to depend on that season. And, um, I was probably even more in denial because I had finally felt like I was at my peak as an athlete and finally felt like I earned what, what I had strived for for so long. And then it just all got taken away so that in the moment, it just, there was a lot of bitterness. There was sadness. I went into a deep depression immediately. Um, and then, like I said, the bargaining and like, are you sure? What can I get away with here? It was just 
a lot of that for a couple months. And then when I had my surgery, everything became very real. Um, and, and that, you know, kind of segues into the, that next part of my journey, yeah. which was very, very long. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and those injuries are so tough because there's such an extensive period of time to make that comeback. So you have to work all that time, you know, post-surgery and, you know, rehabilitation, all of that, and then, um, regain your strength and start over basically. So tell us a little bit about how all of that impacted your mental health? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the rehab part was obviously one section of it, right? It's that the months of recovery, um, I think the most like depressing part about it was when you come out of surgery, you look down at your leg and all of your muscle is gone and the other legs totally fine. So you see where your leg should be. And then you look at where your leg is and you think, how the, how the heck am I going to get my leg back to what it's <laughs> right. supposed to be? And, you know, as an athlete, that's part of your determination. You're, you're just like, oh, I got to build all this muscle back, but I'm going to do it. That's my main focus. And when you're in the hospital bed after surgery, it's a little bit easier to kind of pinpoint that day by day that you're going to have to go through. But once you're back with your team and you're on the field and the first half of practice you miss because you're doing rehab and then you come out late and you see your teammates running and you see your teammates playing, it's, it takes you out of that focus. You just kind of look at yourself and you say, Ugh, I, I'm not even anywhere near doing that right now. And I don't know when that's going to be. And I don't know when I'm going to come back and going through that every day where you're trying to reset your mind to just focus on the small goals, focus on the small things. It's so much easier said than done because when you are back with your team again, you, you feel like the oddball mm -hmm. you're, you kind of feel like everyone forgets about you. You're off on the side, but there's business to be done on the field. So it's a weird disconnect feeling it, you know, for me with my mental health, I was already very sad and depressed and I didn't know how to handle those emotions. Um, I was definitely someone that became angry about it and standoffish in a way. I just wasn't myself. And normally I was this person that you know, would smile a lot and was relatively a really happy person. And I went from that to just this injury. I just couldn't take it. Um, it was, it was just really hard. And that whole process of, um, putting that pressure on myself internally, I thought there were external pressures, but there weren't. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that I had this idea of what my team needed from me. And I had this idea of who I was supposed to be for the team. And I took that and kind of became obsessed with it and just was on a really unhealthy road. And that transferred into my comeback. Um, so after rehab, 
you know, I, I was bargaining throughout my entire rehab as well. Like I was, I was always trying to get the athletic trainer to let me to let me do more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was like, come on, I can run today. Like, that's totally fine. Um, there was a sense of feeling for me. I felt so pathetic because I would be on the sideline and my team would be warming up for a game. And then, you know, that day I ran for the first time in months and it was a huge day for me. And I remember in, you know, running on the sideline and thinking to myself, I could go in the game. Like Mm -hmm. I could do this. And, uh, and then I remember thinking at the time that with my teammates, I was like, why is no one like caring that I'm running right now? Like, why does no one care about this? Like, this is such a big deal that I'm doing this. And there was just a, a disconnect there too. Like I expected my teammates to be like, wow, great job, Jack, you're running now. Like, cause they didn't know how, how um, emotional that was for me to be able to do that again after months of not being able to do it. Um, and then, then you feel pathetic. You're like, well, of course they don't care about that. They have a game to worry about, you know? Mm-hmm. So there was just a lot of this head game stuff and um, just a lot of, w- with the comeback side, that's a whole other, that was actually probably even worse than my rehab year and missing my sophomore year um, because I was, so bitter that I lost that year. And I was bitter that I felt like I didn't come back as strong as I wanted to. And my mental health just continued to take a toll. I was completely ignoring it. I was completely just in this state of um, denial that this happened to me and wanting to be like, I'll show myself, I'll show everybody that, you know, I'm here still. And you know, I'm a, I'm a force to be reckoned with. And, you know, that kind of mindset and that process really took me down a really bad road where I, you know, imagined I was paranoid about things going on around me because I felt so disconnected from my teammates Mm -hmm. because of this happening to me. Yeah. And it's pretty hard for them to support you when they don't maybe know what's going on in your head. And right. in some ways you're um, writing that, that dialogue that's not really being said, but you're writing kind of what they're thinking or what you think they're thinking. And so taking on a lot that may or may not have been there. Um, so that's definitely understandable that you'd struggle internally and, and certainly with mental health at that time. Tell us a little bit about your next serious injury and just I know that that's the one that really took you out of the, out of the game. So briefly tell us a little bit about how that happened. And then we'll transition to talking about kind of post career ending injury, what life looked like for you after that. Yeah, there was a lot that happened in between my comeback year. And then, you know, this next serious injury that definitely contributed to the way I handled the second injury. Um, I went through this kind of character building time, or at least that's what I thought it was at the time where, you know, I thought that the way I was feeling was very selfish and I just was consistently not in a good mental state, but I decided to hide it and kind of put on a smile and be what I thought my coaches and my teammates and my family and my friends wanted me to be. Um, so I sacrificed my, my own mental health because of that. 
And that I actually looking back now feel contributed to my second injury happening because I just wasn't mentally healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, it appeared that way to the outside world. And I just knew that I was trying so hard to get so far away from who that person was that went through that injury and that rehab and who that person was with that bad attitude in quotes that, that I was told I had, um, during, during my depression Mm -hmm. and obviously beat myself up for that. And going into, I, I got a fifth year back because of the, the sophomore year that I lost. So I was able to have another fall ball and, um, ended up going into my fifth year season. And I definitely was mentally kind of checked out. I, like I said, I appeared as though I was positive and selfless and, you know, there for the team. And I was, I was being a leader and, but on the inside, I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm just so done. And this all happened right before that, that last injury. And I really do think that that mentality really contributed to me getting hurt again. Um, and we were at a practice right before spring break. I had completed four games and then we were changing surfaces a lot because it had snowed that, that spring and we were indoors leaving for California spring break the next day, which we, I was so excited about. And I was playing defense. I planted my foot. It was very, very similar to the first way it happened. It was just the surface combination with the way I planted. And, um, this time I immediately knew what it was because it had happened to me before. And then I also couldn't move my leg. I couldn't bend it and I couldn't extend it. It was kind of stuck at like a 90 degree angle. Hmm. And I was like, okay, maybe this isn't just my ACL. Maybe something else just happened. And when I went down, I remember a lot of my teammates being like, oh no, like, please don't tell me this is because as soon as I went down, I said to my coach, she ran over to me and I said, I just tore my ACL. Mm. And she looked at me and she's like, no, you didn't. I was like, yes, I did. I was like, I know for sure I did. Um, And it was kind of like a a heartbreaking moment because we all had that like weight and thinking, thinking that something bad happened. So, Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, you know, I ended up finding out, uh, I didn't, I didn't get to go on spring break. I had to stay back. So my whole team went on that flight and played Stanford. They played USC, they played, um, San Diego state. And I watched from afar on a television in a brace Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, I got lots of messages from them. They were definitely very heartbroken about it. And I was very stoic about it. Um, I refused to feel sorry for myself. I refused to draw any attention to myself. And I ended up finding out obviously that, you know, it was pretty bad. I had buckled my meniscus. I needed to go into surgery that Monday. I tore it on a Friday. Um, and then my, my ACL is partially torn and they told me we don't want to fix that at the same time because that's going to be really painful. So we would just rather 
fix the meniscus because that could actually affect the way you walk the rest of your life if we don't fix that now. Um, and, you know, make sure that you can get your mobility back in your knee. And then, you know, later in life, you can go get your ACL fixed. So it was definitely like, okay, I'm getting something fixed and my season's over and I don't really get the closure I wanted with my sport. But at the same time, you know, it was, I was really pushing everything down. I did not want to talk about it. Um, anytime someone cried to me or said, Jackie, this is horrible. I feel so sorry for you. I didn't even feed into that. I was very much like, I am not going to repeat what I did last time. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, lose all my friends and my teammates, which is what I felt happened. Um, and respect of people because I'm, you know, being selfish and feeling sorry for myself. That's the way I looked at it at that time, which obviously today I, I know is wrong, um, you know, in the long run. So, so you suppressed even more the second time around. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, talk to us about how that worked out for you. The doctor Phil would say, how did that work out for you? Yeah. It, um, yeah, it didn't work out well. I found yeah. everything resurfaced. Um, and eventually in life, you know, or I just, I never really was truly my authentic self mm -hmm. for a while. And what I mean by that is it's not that I was like lying to people, but I sacrificed my own happiness and healing because it mattered more to me what other people thought of me than what I thought of me, mm -hmm. because the way they thought of me actually dictated the way I thought about me. Yeah. And that's where the realization eventually later in life that I didn't have that much self-worth um, really surfaced was like, why am I continuously sacrificing just because I went through a hard time in my life and maybe some people didn't understand exactly what I was going through you know, it doesn't make it right or wrong that I was angry, bitter, depressed, whatever. It's just the, the only way that my mind knew how to process it at the time. I didn't have any other coping skills. So, you know, I can look back on that now in my life and say, yeah, that's, that's the reason I just, there was a lot to unpack there. It was very, um, it was very complicated. But back then it felt like I needed to take accountability. Back then it felt like I'm being selfish for feeling this way and I'm on a team and it's not about me and suppress, 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 because clearly you being the other way was not helpful. So, you know, rather than feel more damaged and rather than feel more disconnected, I thought that that was the right approach was to just be strong in quotes, pretend I'm fine, you know, pretend that there's not right. an issue. And, and later on in life, you know, I may not have realized it right away, but I slowly discovered that this experience in college was affecting me and my adulthood and the way I treated myself and the way I looked at my friendships and my relationships, um, and it, it really, everything became intertwined because I didn't prioritize my mental health. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So it's kind of interesting just listening to that. Cause it sounds like the first time around you suppressed your emotions to other people, but you were feeling every feeling and thinking all those thoughts and 
working through, you know, the mental health as much as you could. And then the second time around, you were like, well, that wasn't fun and it didn't do me any good. So I'm just going to suppress it within myself and just try to deflect and like distract myself. Was that what I'm hearing from you? Yeah. Yeah. The first time there was two different stages, like with the rehab, I definitely was like keeping more to myself. And when I, when it came time to come back and like start playing again, and I didn't come back as strong, I, I had a, you know, I was still obviously depressed from carrying over from the injury happening. So I didn't handle all of that well. And, uh, you know, I got spoken to by my coach about it, just like, um, which that situation kind of (laughs) blew up into really thinking that I am just uh, really affecting people by being sad and really affecting people by being upset with myself. Um, and you know, her sitting down with me and, and pulling me in and saying, you know, and I started half the games when I came back. So when I look back on it now and I'm like, geez, anyone would ask for a season like that after they just came back from an ACL injury, you know, like what expectations did you have on yourself? You know what I mean? And I should have just been proud and happy that I was, you know, playing again, but my mindset was so, uh, you know, I was so focused on the fact that I was at my peak and then this happened. And I, for the first time, I felt like, wow, I am really achieving at the level I want to achieve. And I feel good about that. And then I blow my knee out. It just, it just all kind of felt like, Jackie, you're not allowed to be happy. So you know, that anytime you start to feel really happy again, or you start to feel really good again, something bad's going to happen. Like that, that was just my mindset at the time. Um, but there were, there were a lot of moments where I could see frustration from my teammates with me. Um, you know, I, I ended up at the end of my comeback year, um, sitting in a room with my class and we were about to be seniors and, you know, there was a very dark, deep conversation about a lot of things with our class that was supposed to prepare us to be leaders. And our coaches were in the room and each of them just, I remember asking a question because I felt tension. And I said, I feel like you guys want to say something to me. And then as soon as I said that, it was like a domino effect. Every one of my classmates stepped up and was like, I'm disappointed in you. Um, you know, you're being selfish. You're being this, you're being that. Um, and I just sat there and I took it. <laughs> so that was a very, having people that you considered to be like your sisters sitting there and you, there's no way for you to explain what you've been through mentally, but you're also beating yourself up now because they're kind of coming at you. And then having my coach kind of sit there and watch it happen. It was a moment where how could I not think I was wrong? How could I not think that I never want this to happen again, ever? Like if I ever feel this way or I, I, I have to rebuild my relationships back with my teammates, that was my number one priority. Mm-hmm. I didn't care about my mental health. I didn't care about how I played the following year in my senior year. All I cared about was getting their respect back all I cared about was proving to them that I'm not selfish. Um, and 
in that sense, I became, in my opinion, looking back on it, I was inauthentic. I was not being true to taking care of me, which was a huge problem. <laughs> um, you know, and, and my, my coach was definitely someone that said to me at the time, um, you know, Jackie, your personality, when you are up, you bring everybody up with you. And when you're down, you bring everybody down with you. Mm-hmm. And when, when someone who's in an authoritative position and someone who is, who I genuinely looked up to and thought she was, you know, a good person, like a genius with, with lacrosse, everything like that. And obviously somebody that, you know, was, was supposed to act as my parental figure away from home. Um, I thought to myself, if she thinks like that, my teammates absolutely think like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was one of those things where I'm rooting for you, but you can't ever be sad and you can't ever be depressed because it's just going to take the whole team down. So I took that. And when that second injury happened, that was absolutely in my head. I was like, I cannot let these girls see me cry. I can't let them see me feel sorry for myself or mourn my the loss of my career abruptly you know, it was definitely me just convincing myself that, that their, um, opinions of me and their trust in me mattered more than my own. So, so that's obviously a lot that I'm sure that if you're working off of that mentality for a while, following your career ending injury, um, that can do, you know, a lot of damage and, you know, those aren't healthy ways to process since you're not really processing, you're more suppressing and certainly holding in what you're really feeling and thinking. And that makes you live inauthentically and makes you feel like you have to hide from people. So in all of that, let's talk now about kind of the the upside of your recovery process. And this is a journey. So it's not like it was flipping a switch or anything like that, but let's talk about like, what did it take for you to kind of find yourself, you know, beyond your role as an athlete following that career ending injury and that initial trauma from that, like kind of give us a little bit of information about what your journey looked like to unpack some of those really bad habits that you then created by holding everything in. Right. Yeah. I mean, it took years. Um, cause I didn't, I didn't admit everything to myself. Um, because I thought, okay, this is my new, this is, this is how I want to appear with my character. This is how I want to appear. I want my friends to know that all I care about is them. I want my, whoever I'm in a relationship with to know that all I care about is them. Um, my feelings, you know, come second and, um, tried very hard throughout my life after that, or years after that to, to do that. But at some point, you know, you get to a place where it's like, you can't handle that anymore. At some, at some point, subconsciously, you're going to break down physically and mentally. And it kind of all began when I felt, obviously after graduation, I discovered that coaching was something that was a great outlet for me. And it was a way for me to stay involved with my sport and keep my sport in my life and the aspects of sport and relationships in my life, um, even while working full time. So I was able to do that. 
And that subconsciously, I know I'm using that word a lot, but it's true because I really wasn't intentional about things until probably after this point um, when I discovered the things that coaching could bring to me and that element. And I kind of felt like reborn again in a way with my mindset. Um, and I thought I saw these girls when I was coaching at the collegiate level, I saw them going, some of them going through very similar things that I did. And I was on the other side of it and I was able to give them advice on it. And it was interesting because the advice I was giving them was so much better than the advice I ever gave myself. Mm. And I remember we had a senior who tore ACL and she was our starting goalie. And this was the second year I was coaching for college with them. And uh, I remember like her just having this mental breakdown. And I remember all the things that I said to her that I wish somebody had said to me. And I saw her, even though it was still hard, I knew, cause I checked in with her every day. I knew that she was gonna flourish from that point and she wasn't gonna have any damage post-college that was gonna affect her the way it affected me. Because I knew that, you know, I, I was very much checking in with her teammates and saying, make sure you check in with, with your teammate, make sure you, you know, just don't forget about her. You know, it was very much like holding the rest of the team accountable and holding myself accountable as a coach to check in with her. And I remember thinking, I wanna keep doing this. I wanna keep making sure that I can hands-on help these athletes. And that actually helped me rebuild myself because I started to think I'm struggling with something these girls have no idea about. Um, but hearing myself tell these girls the things that I would have wanted to hear, I was like, wait a second, I should be telling myself this. Mm. Why am I not telling myself this? And then I would go back to, well, you know, you didn't handle it great. And I would, you know, I would go back to that mindset and be really hard on myself and I would push it aside again. Eventually I started realizing that like my physical health and my mental health was kind of going further down. Um, and I, and I was like, why, why is this happening? Why am I depressed every day? Why do I have anxiety? Um, like there were times where I couldn't be around the sport because it would, something would trigger me and I wasn't really recognizing that. And then eventually I started dating my husband and who at the time was, was stationed in Korea. He was in the army and, um, and then he came home and we, you know, we had been friends forever. And, uh, we finally, you know, I, he was always somebody to me that was un, untouchable. Like he was somebody that I looked at and I was like, he's too good for me. Like, I always just thought that. And it's funny. Cause he, he thought the same thing about me. And, um, he's the type of person that is so open-minded and sometimes all it takes is that one really good influence or that one person that's just really good for you that helps you realize all the good things about yourself and helps you kind of rebuild that back. Now, I'm not saying everybody's going to have that, 
but he was definitely the first person that encouraged me to go to therapy. Um, and that was kind of the final piece to the puzzle was when I finally decided, you know, I guess it was like five years later, um, post-graduation to, to see a therapist and to kind of unravel all this, what I now call complex trauma and what my therapist and I call complex trauma. Um, because I suppressed it for so long, it fed into other parts of my life, which created this crazy web of, you know, just a downfall for my mental health. So, um, you know, my husband being the person that he is and, and being somebody that told me it was okay to not be okay. I think hearing that from somebody who I really cared about and admired really, really helped me because he was the first person that I opened up about all this stuff with. And he had no judgment. He was very much like, well, you were depressed. That's why you acted like that. You were, Hmm. you know, he just, he made it sound like it was so clear And then eventually when I, you know, went to my therapist, it took me three to five sessions to get through pretty much all the stuff that happened in college. And, um, and then she was saying the same things. And, and then eventually she gave me the tools to say, to, to be like, you need to say these things to yourself every day until you believe it. You need to look at yourself in the mirror every day. And you need to say, I am worth more than my performance. Um, I am, I deserve to be happy. I deserve to love myself. Like, and all that sounds probably really corny, but it's, it actually helped. It really helped just changing that narrative in my head. I had such bad negative self-talk, um, since that point in my life, uh, with the injury, it just propelled me into, really just not thinking very much of myself. And then I would try to convince myself, you know, you're awesome. And I never really truly believed it. Um, So that's kind of what the rebuilding process, even after that, once I started going to therapy, I started looking at my life, like I started saying yes for myself. And I started saying it's okay to myself. And, I still was able to achieve things and I still was able to feel accomplished in my jobs and, and whatever, um, in my relationships. And then on top of that, I was starting to rebuild the way I looked at myself and to do that, I kind of, I had to dig very, very deep in therapy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It sounds like therapy was pretty clutch for you and ended up being something that really was the catalyst for a lot of healing, but certainly a lot of hard work as well. You've already shared a lot about, you know, some tidbits that you you got from therapy, but let's just talk briefly about, and just the fact that a lot of people in general, and even athletes are reticent to go to a therapist um, for a whole history of reasons, right? There's, there's just, there's just reasons that maybe people would be hesitant what would you say to someone like that? Like what kind of value did you find in therapy and what could it mean for other athletes? Uh, I definitely get it. (laughs) I get the resistance because it took, like I said, it took me a long time to actually tell myself it was okay to step through that door um, and not put a stigma on myself. Cause that really is what it is. You know, when you grow up being an athlete and the athletic culture that still in this world today needs a lot of work, um, you know, with mindset training and you're taught about mental toughness and, 
pain is weakness leaving the body and just all these phrases that you see all the time that you're just like, you know, that gets built into your brain. So for someone struggling and not really sure if they want to take that leap, I will say that I was just like you and, um, I completely understand. And, you know, that's in the end, that's your choice. That's something that no one else can force you to do. You can feel encouraged to do it. Um, I will say that talking to someone who is not an outside party, talking to someone who's not your friends or your family or your boyfriend, girlfriend, like talking to someone from that perspective and knowing everything you say is going to stay in the vault. And also knowing that they're there to help you. They're not there to judge you is something that in my first session, I, I realized very quickly. And that's because I just, I feel like I got very lucky with a really good therapist. I mean, it may take a couple of times. You may have to find the right person for you that clicks for you. Um, I did a lot of research before I found this person. And then, you know, at the same time I would come home and I would talk to Bobby. I would talk to my husband or I would call my mom and I would tell them about my session. And I would say, and the therapist said this, and then you know, and I would feel it out and see, you know, does this sound like this is going to be helpful to me? And in the end, I really did feel it was helpful. So it didn't really matter what other people thought about my therapist and my situation, because, you know, it was, it was between her and I, and it's my story. And it was my way I interpreted everything. And she was so patient and she was really willing to get down to the deep meaning of all of these issues that I felt like I had. And then on top of it, she encouraged me that this is like not something to be ashamed of. And this isn't something that you need to, to hide. Like if you want to talk about it, talk about it, if that's going to make you feel better. Um, you know, the people that really love you and that are going to be there for you are going to listen and they're going to like, she also said that to me. She's like, you've suppressed so much. Like, does your parents even know like the depth of this? Does your brother know? Does your best friend know that's, you know, not, wasn't even one of your teammates? Like what, who have you told about this? Um, and it can be really hard because with complex trauma in general. Um, but you know, no matter what you're going through, I strongly encourage talking to someone that's like outside of your um, internal bubble, because it gives you this new perspective. Like this person doesn't, isn't going to judge you. This person doesn't know you. Um, it's a fresh new perspective. And they're also going to give you coping skills, which I immediately found my first session. You know, I was given a, I was given an assignment or a project that before the next session, try and do this. And I wrote letters to myself and it took a lot of work, but it was stuff that was making me feel better. So I highly encourage it. I'm a huge fan of therapy. Um, and you, you can go in your own time. You don't have to go, you know, it's not on the therapist's schedule. They'll suggest stuff to you, but if you're like, I can't do a session today, then don't do a session. Um, you know, it's a lot more laid back than what people, people initially think. It's really just somebody to talk to. 
Yeah, that's that's really helpful. Um, we have just a few minutes left closing out this, this conversation. I know there's so much to unpack, but let's get the highlights here, kind of spend the next few minutes um, as we close out today with just advice that you would give athletes. Let's say there's an athlete out there listening who is, you know, post retirement from some sort of medical exit and maybe beating themselves up because it's taking maybe they're even years past the medical exit and they're still struggling. I mean, what would you say to that person? What advice do you have for just general, generally speaking for athletes who've been forced to give up their sport because of medical reasons? Let's, let's hear your advice and your thoughts for them. Yeah. Um, if, if, if no one else is telling you this, I'm going to tell you this, uh, from experience that you have every right to feel the way that you're feeling right now. Um, don't suppress your feelings, express them and talk to somebody about it. Definitely be patient with yourself. I think that's the biggest thing. Like we are human and we forget that sometimes. And we, we don't give ourselves the same grace that we would give others. And I mean, that is the biggest thing that you need to do is, is focus on your mental health and your happiness. It's your life. Um, so if you are struggling, I will tell you from someone who has, who struggled and I still struggle, um, from time to time I get triggered or, you know, I have breakdowns here and there. Um, but ultimately I respond so much better now and, and in healthier ways. And you can get to that point. You may feel very out of control right now. You may not know why you're feeling the way you're feeling. You may feel like it's just never going to get any better, but I can tell you from experience after years of feeling like that, that it is absolutely possible as long as you confront everything that you're feeling. Um, if you confront it head on and you admit it to yourself and you say, and you ask for help, um, whether it's big or small, you know, it's, that's, that's the step in the right direction. Even if you still don't feel good, the fact that you stepped up and said, I'm struggling right now. And I want to tell you this mom or dad or whoever, and I want to fix this. I want to get better. Um, admitting that and being able to do that is the first step to recovering and eventually in the long run, feeling your best self again. And it's, it's just a moment, but in the end, I can say this, that it, it absolutely made me a better person. Mm -hmm. Um, and it made me able to prioritize myself, myself, still love others, still accept others, but also do the same for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, so the first step, like I said, is just admitting it and acceptance will come as long as you are making the effort to really put your mental health first and know that that's okay. Even if some days you don't totally believe it, tell yourself that so that you can get through the day and then the next day will be better because of it. Mm. That's really good. And, and that 
takes, it's an uncomfortable space to feel those feelings of like putting yourself out there, especially maybe if you're um, used to handling things internally, as I know that like Jackie, you've expressed, but just understand that every time you do it, you're in kind of investing in that personal growth. And it's not as hard the next time to just open up and share. And, you know, in this day and age, athletes are doing that, right? We just closed the Olympics here and there's a lot of talk in sports about mental health and being able to advocate for yourself like Simone Biles did and Naomi Osaka. It's just like you have permission, but you have to give yourself that permission. And it feels like you can't, but let me, like, look, if the top of the world athletes can hold up their hands and say, hey, I'm taking a timeout because I need to attend to, to what's going on inside, then you can too in whatever sport that you're at as well. So just wanted to state that because that's really relevant right now. Times yeah. are changing and it used to be where you couldn't speak of these things or you would, you know, have ramifications and, and you know, have to risk some things. And certainly it's not perfect. Not everyone responds great, but hey, you have to hold your head high and remember that this is an important life skill to be able to articulate and advocate for yourself and your mental health and understanding that that's so important to the person that you are. It's not about your performance. Ultimately, it's the person of who you are that matters. So Jackie, thank you so much for sharing your experience and the things that you learned. And we just appreciate your time today. Tell me if there's any closing thought that you have to wrap us up here for athletes. Uh, all I will say was, is that I wish that I knew about or had a program like sidelined <laughs> when I was going through what I was going through. So if you're listening and you are, you know, questioning whether you should reach out, please do it. <laughs> I can say since working for sidelined, it's been really such a full circle experience for me to be able to help others um, by using my experience and also just being able to meet so many incredible people that that a lot of them don't realize how incredible they are and kind of helping them see that uh, has been so rewarding. So thank you for <laughs> giving me the mm. opportunity to, to work for you. Um, and, you know, like I said, if you're listening, we're here. However you want to start, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or in a group or um, however you need to reach out, reach out. It's, it's not as scary or it's not as a, there's not as much weighing on it as you would think. And we're here to help you. So, um, you know, that's something that I just wanted to reiterate. Cause I just, I really wish I had something like this. I feel like it would have helped me so much. Right. So thanks for everything that you do. Uh, absolutely. And Jackie, thank you so much for being a part of that and bringing your experience to help other athletes as well. And definitely in terms of talking about what you're going through as an athlete, if you're listening and you don't know who to start with, or maybe you, you can't afford a therapist or whatever, um, you know, we can help with that as Sideland USA. If we are not therapists, we are not professional counselors. So um, knowing that up front, but we are people who understand with firsthand experience these, these issues and these topics. And we're linking elbows and helping each other and uh, supporting one another through all the ups and downs in the journey following medical retirement. So reach out to us through a contact uh, form on our website or through social media, and we'll be happy to get get back to you and help get you plugged in and uh, 
really just connected with other athletes who understand firsthand what you're going through. So Jackie, thanks again so much. And uh, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.